This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of July 7th, 2018. They stole my pappy, but he's coming home to be destroyed. Sweet new spirits competition. BA sells top GABF sponsorship for whiskey and wings. And Barton's house keeps tumbling down. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Walker. I'm Justin Fraser. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. To start mm-hmm. us off this week, we're looking at the story of the stolen Pappy Gate bourbon, <gasps> which may be going back to the distilleries. <gasps> of those uh, Pappy Gate bourbons that were seized in an investigation not too long ago, um, five of the barrels that were seized were from uh, wild turkey. We have 12 barrels that were seized uh, that were valued at somewhere between $3,000 and $6,000 depending on age that were seized from another wild turkey area. Um, And then we've got some additional 17-year Eagle Rare, a Mm. stainless steel barrel of that that's going back. But what really is the the crux of this story is the 20 cases of Pappy Van Winkle. Um, those cases of Pappy Van Winkle, they be sending, being sent back to their original distiller, which is Buffalo Trace. According to a, uh, what do they call them? Where basically a mo- motion um, filed in the Franklin County Circuit Court system um they have entered a motion to have these bourbons returned to the distilleries but it's not all what you would hope one would hope to maybe get some bottles of this this pappy gate bourbon yeah maybe 20 more cases available the owners of the bourbon the distilleries may opt to destroy the stolen spirits as long as they act in accordance to all applicable state and federal laws and regulations um on what I'm assuming they're they're trying to go for here is they've probably had to pay taxes on this bourbon, and if they've paid taxes on it, then didn't sell it, they're losing money. But if they were able to get it back, they could destroy it and then recoup those taxes since it was never actually sold. Hmm. Mm, okay, uh, I was also one because my also thought was like, yeah, because you don't know what they've done to that thing once it left there. Yeah, yeah, you can't they're, trust it coming back. There's no way they couldn't good. Good faith, sell that again. Also, it it's going to keep. Also, keep scarcity high for for Pappy. <laughs> yeah, you're you treating it like the De Beers group just yeah. now. I feel like they they could sell it under a you know advisement not to drink it, and just be like these were this is from the you know Pappy Gate Pappies. This is one of the bottles from the notorious incident. <laughs> if they get it back, because how much would you pay for one of those bottles? Nine fifty. I mean, it would be more than a regular bottle of Pappy is worth. Oh, yeah. Be- because Not that, $9.50? Is... No. There, there are definitely going to be people who are willing to pay a bit. <laughs> but, okay, we were talking about this pre-show in case he had to spell, start spelling it out for me. And I was like, you know what, let's wait and talk about this later. So what exactly happened that this man 
had in possession 12 barrels of bourbon and 20 cases of pappy. He really wasn't the original guy that stole it all. He he had started to take some possession of barrels. Um, these a lot of the things that he was taking possession of to start with were basically barrels that they were going to have to. They didn't meet their flavor profile, and so they were going to just go ahead and get rid of them and basically dump them. And he basically said, you know, you could just write them off as if you're dumping them. Write me a note um, talking to, to, I think it was a supervisor. Write me a note that says that I, I'm doing this for the company. I'm taking this off off company property for the company. I will take this out. I will take this yep. off property ground and destroy it for you. Yep. And so um, I'll take this and destroy it. And that'll get me past security. And instead of taking that and destroying it, it is marked off the books, most likely as destroyed, and then it walks past security to his home, where he then can sell it as, you know, basically the same whiskey to his friends. Um, he got sort of a name and and became sort of one of the, the people that was known to be able to move whiskey. Making counterfeit yeah. bourbon that way. <laughs> I mean, real bourbon, just the the black market of sorts, or the gray market. Well, counterfeit pappy, we'll put it that way. Maybe so. Um, but he his buddies were starting to find out he was the guy that could move uh, hot bourbon, and so they started bringing other barrels around for him to move, and uh, I guess eventually some of them started bringing around some bourbon barrels from other distilleries that he didn't work at, like the um, Wild Turkey Distillery. So with that, um, he he basically said he's, he's being the scapegoat for what is supposed to be probably a lot more people getting in trouble over this, but it's kind of him that's taking the brunt of it. Yeah, and the other thing to think about for this is that that's just what he got caught with. This is all that he, you know, as that they could pin on him. There's no telling how much more he had already moved. Yep. Him and others. Yeah, him and others. Yeah, it takes a village to steal <laughs> bourbon. Apparently. It does. Well, and they, it, so, which distillery did he work out? It wasn't Wild Turkey. He was, he, a, he was a Buffalo Trace employee because that was the suspicion from the get go. Is that the Pappy was an inside job? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess that is uh, put to rest. <laughs> yeah. Pappy Van Winkle can't melt ash barrels. <laughs> Yeah, and he he pled guilty to it and was sentenced to 15 years in prison um, in June this of this year. But you know that doesn't necessarily mean that he was the the ringleader. They they called him the ringleader. He was the one that got the most out of it. But he he kind of pushes the blame over to other people. Hmm. I was just a middleman. Another yeah. thing that drew um, my attention was that uh, seventeen-year eagle drunk. rare. He's the one behind it. The seventeen-year eagle rare, an entire stainless steel barrel of it. Yeah, that one should have been moved a lot quicker because that's a highly sought-after whiskey right there. Value between uh, twelve thousand and thirteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the the whole the whole ordeal. Um, he's going to spend a lot of time in jail, but the whole ordeal is just kind of weird to, to kind of, it's not that he didn't do what he did. He did it, but there's just so many weird avenues where people aren't looking down 
the other folks in this in this ring of yeah, organized there's, crime. Because there's no way he did this entirely by himself. No. Yeah. Uh, he was just the end guy, and in in the end, I the mean, fall guy. Like he was the guy who could get in there and physically get a hold of the stuff. Maybe and, he did roll the barrels out himself, but uh, doesn't mean that you know. Maybe he sold them, but you know somebody put him in contact with other people. He had, you know, just saying he probably could have named names and gotten some time off. Well, oh, yeah. no, they're not. They're not after these people for for sentencing. So I'm betting he took the best deal he was going to get. Yeah. Oh, probably. Where where it gets not only weird on the whiskey front, but uh, he's also been charged with steroid trafficking. Oh. <laughs> Oh. And so, <laughs> uh, I think that was part of the plea as well. Um, that's that that was he, he got in between that issue as well. So he's just a guy that knows how to move things. Whiskey growth hormone. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, in the case, however, uh, that before this motion was filed, the lawyer had made a mention that they were going to dispose of the spirits. Quote in a manner consistent with the wishes of the Van Winkle family, Buffalo Trace, and Wild Turkey. Hmm. So, I don't know what that means. He didn't elaborate. Chug off. <laughs> shots, 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 shots. That's how, uh, what's it, What's his name? The longest uh, employee at Buffalo Trace. His oh. entire family line has worked there since oh, slavery. Oh, the guy from the video. From Freddy. That, yeah. Freddy, yeah. It's like, that's going to be Freddy's send-off as he's, they're, like that's gonna be it. There's gonna be like, all right, you're chugging pappy until you're dead, and then that's it. Jeez, <laughs> oh, then that's wow. your retirement. That went dark. <laughs> I mean, who knows? He's worked there long enough. Maybe there's a. He's like just resistant to it. It's gonna be a Mithridates thing. He just keeps drinking. Like he's not dying. <laughs> <laughs> we find out it's gonna become uh, the next uh, Unbreakable movie. <laughs> un, un, undrinkable. Undrinkable. <laughs> undrunkable. Undrunkable. Yes, undrunkable. <laughs> Starring Freddy. Well, that sounds like a sweet movie, Chris. <laughs> you know what else sounds it. sweet? <laughs> Honey? Da 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 da. Ah, sugar, sugar. Nice. So, yeah, that should have also made re- I should have had some of these things ready, like songs and whatnot, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, so, the National Honey Board, which is apparently is in. <laughs> I, I know. Who knew? There's a board for everything, uh, which apparently is in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, announced that it's hosting its first honey spirits competition aimed at recognizing distillers who use honey in their products. From honey-flavored whiskeys to high-end spirits distilled from honey, probably like mead, uh, the spirits industry has seen the value in honey using as uh, using honey as evidenced by the growing number of new made-with-honey products in the marketplace. I've, the, got, I've got your next... I've got the next beer name. For honey, for a honey product, oh. honey nut beerios. <laughs> right. I, mean, uh, I was just you? as soon as I opened the article and looked at the picture, all I heard in my head was the Morgan Freeman <laughs> doing the honey nut Cheerios ad. Oh, I'm gonna touch your tummy with the taste of nuts and honey. Goodness. <laughs> all right. <laughs> not in uh, the old, it's honey nut Cheerios. Anyway, right. so the board's first honey com- uh, completion will be judged in October with registration due August 31st. The competition will feature nine categories, each requiring the distilled spirit to use honey in its product. 
Categories include vodka, gin, bourbon, whiskey, rum, tequila slash mezcal, liqueurs and specialty spirits, brandy, spirits distilled with honey as primary fermentation substrate, and design and packaging. So they're it's like in depth. <laughs> so with uh, it, it's like at the same time we've seen craft mead take off uh, mm-hmm. with craft beer, and I believe that this will be a huge competition for that because there are I know a lot of people getting into not starting meaderies but starting to just make mead. Mm. And you're seeing you know people get into craft distilling with mead, and this yeah. is, well, is this is will be big. Mead, is None? mead considered a spirit? No, none of these that, would be mead related. I mean, yeah. they could be mead related, but they would not be mead beverages. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, I feel like this, this is just honey in your, you know, it's leading people I, down the path. Honey, I, I, I've seen honey whiskeys, obviously, but like <laughs> sounds like a very affectionate discussion, <laughs> by the way. Honey, honey, honey. Please. I was going to say, <laughs> where's who heard Jonathan's voice in their head just now? <laughs> honey. Anyway, uh, no, I've, I haven't seen like any vodkas or gins um, or tequilas or like anything like that with the honey in it. So I'd actually be really interested to see what that's you about. Know, honey tequila actually made me perk up. Go, hmm. huh? I mean, because it's already sweet, but it's a totally different. Um, I don't sweetener, like really. tequila, but maybe maybe honey might improve that. I don't know. Hmm. It would make so, it a little less harsh. Yeah, I did think I'd seen a. Uh, a flavor honey flavored vodka before and and it turns out they've got smirnoff wild honey oh. but not surprised by that at all yeah. it does not yeah right um it does not contain it looks like it's it's a honey flavored vodka not actual i don't know honey. if it actually contains honey yeah mm. i wonder though if anyone's going to be making something specifically for this now that it's a thing um, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see like what the results and things are. Uh, are you just worried that it's going to be like the Jack Daniels and Jim Beam honey? That's honey whiskey. That's, what that's I a concern. Of, yeah, that's all yeah. it's going to be. But I mean, I'm also like they have so many categories. There's are, there's obviously got to be something out there already that's using honey for these categories. You know, like honey rum doesn't sound awful, and I'm intrigued honey by the honey brandy. Honey gin just sounds like someone just took like you know one of those honeycomb things and like, <laughs> yeah. put a dollop Drizzle, of honey yeah. into my glass of gin. I'm like, I mean, all right, <laughs> I'm okay with this. Yeah, like, yeah like, I was gonna say, like, I mean, can, I'll, I'll still drink it. <laughs> can, <laughs> we, can we get gin that was like the juniper berries? Like the honey was produced from the same bees that were pollinating the juniper, <laughs> and you know. Can, can we get like this that's big some control right there? Yeah, we have to find more bees. Rogue, you have to get rogue on that one. Juniper tree honey. Mm. See, yeah. honestly, nothing about the, in this competition thing sounds bad. Casey, like, I'm just get like, to it. Except, except the blackout Winnie the Pooh that I'm picturing. <laughs> That's just because your head go, your head goes to bad places. They're, um, they're not <laughs> they're not going to allow the uh, yellow pantless bear to be a judge. They're just not. Going he to had pants it. when he started. <laughs> he lost the pants. <laughs> Anyway, so finally... No, I mean, he, he had pants when he started this competition. I don't, we don't know where they went. Uh, so finally, uh, so the competition is actually going to be judged by us uh, as industry experts, and the winners will be announced on October 4th. So Can I be an industry expert? Pantless yellow bear wearing a really terrible fake mustache and glasses. You guys need to stop crap-talking Winnie the Pooh. 
We're not crap talking him. We just think that he would be all about this. He sounds a lot like Jim Cummings, so it's really weird. What if it's just Jim Cummings there in a red shirt? And no pants? (laughs) Um, Cummings is kind of old now, so no, it's kind of... No. Yeah. Um, also, there was but, an amazing video that Disney just put yeah, out. Yeah, from D23. From D23 of Jim Cummings doing all the voices he's ever done for Disney. Which is like a billion. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> and oh. it's all of him. He's saying the Darkwing Duck line, the let's get dangerous <gasps> for all of them. But it's every character doing it. So you hear Pooh saying, let's get dangerous. And Tigger saying, let's get dangerous. It's amazing. Uh, Alright, sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah. now that we've gone completely off track. Probably, yeah, experts that could include us. We have a podcast. I think that makes us experts now. <laughs> we are industry, at least. We are industry, not quite experts. Yeah, the, so I just clicked on the website, and it's like, there, there's nothing. It's strictly about, like, the registration. So it doesn't really say who's involved yet or what, what else is going on. But, the, you know, you've got a month. If you do have something, you've got actually a little over a month um, to uh, register. So... Let's see oh, no, where the National Honey Board is located, because that's probably <laughs> where the competition's going to be. It said Longmont, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. That makes sense. I was going to say, because I don't want to travel. <laughs> I mean, I'd go to Colorado for that. So, so you're going to see a uh, someone putting uh, other things into the honey. I'm willing to go. Oh. It probably will be a thing. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, chug along. Competitions. <laughs> yeah. I wonder... Well, yes, it's it's been a thing since 2017 at least. But I wonder if the buds, if the bees can pollinate from the, or you know what I mean, mm. and oh. do a honey that is like that. Oh, can can bees pollinate off of cannabis? Yeah, I know you don't want them to. You don't. I don't think you want them to. <laughs> well, I don't like, turn into flowers because that oh, means it's yeah. bad. Right. But huh? But if you're just. You know. If it, for the plant, yes, that's bad. But for the honey, you know, necessary. Right, could be very, very good honey. All right. Well, uh, speaking of other competitions, the Brewers Association has announced a sponsorship deal earlier this week uh, to feature Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, a brand- branded pop-up sports bar on the floor of Great American Beer Festival. Uh, so the partnership with the chicken wing chain, which. Uh, was acquired last November by Arby's. <laughs> Which none of us for, knew. We're like, what? For $2.9 billion. Arby's has got that kind of cash to be thrown around. That's the biggest They throw around here. on casual dining. It's like they hate money. It's. <laughs> I mean, they're Arby's. Apparently, the meats means the money. <laughs> God. Anyway, uh, this is the second major sponsorship deal uh for the for the festival early june they announced that uh bernard uh ricard yeah Yeah. uh, sure uh ricard owned jameson would build a barrel aged beer garden on the festival floor i would kind of like to see that (laughs) That, well in general i want to see great american beer festival but casey will be the one to see it for us I don't but, know. Well, yeah, but I don't know about Scotch barrel aged stuff. It's not Scotch. It's Irish whiskey. Oh, that's true. Ooh, even worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even worse. I think Scotch would be better than Irish whiskey, honestly. Irish whiskey wouldn't leave enough flavor. I just mean that if they bring out the Irish whiskey barrels, you'll be smelling. Mm, I can smell they, it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm saying they bring in like those barrels, like used barrels. I think that would be neat. But anyway. Um, 
BA marketing director Ann Oberjane, Obenjane, uh, said the nonprofit trade group was looking for uh, activations that would improve attendee, ex- uh, improve the attendee experience, and promote independent craft beer. Because Arby's is who I think of when I think of independent <laughs> craft beer. Mm-hmm. Independent and craft, those go hand in hand with Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, Indeed. But uh, she says that Buffalo Wild Wings and Jamesons do that. They're essentially gardens or mini festivals within the festival. Uh, I could actually see Buffalo Wild Wings just having like you know just TVs everywhere, and it's like we're just screaming, you know, <laughs> like doing, sh- you know, <laughs> just getting 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 drunk while eating uh, eating chicken. You know, the more I say this, the more I'm like, man, I want to be there. Too I want to taste that chicken. I want to be where the people are. <laughs> I want to be where the drinkers are. I want to go. Want to eat that chicken? <laughs> uh, oh dear. Anyway, um, the financial terms of the sponsorship were not disclosed. Uh, however, they said that both companies signed a one-year deal with the options to renew in 2019. Uh, they are going to have a uh, Buffalo Wild Wings will have a 3,600 square foot sports bar serving wings and yet to be determined craft beers while showing live sporting events on TV on the festival floor. Oh. Again, not surprising. No. I'm just picturing basically a Buffalo Wild Wings in the middle of. I mean, that's. Know. I'm sure that's going to be a welcome change for people to get something to eat, and it's a welcome change in sponsorship since, who who was it years past that's been been the main well, sponsor? They, ha- they have dropped Anheuser Anheuser Busch as one of their. Yes, uh, AB InBev was the main sponsor pretty much every previous year, and they changed the rules and said that's not going to cut it anymore. Yeah, which is uh, funny because it, you know Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't think of craft beer. I always think of like this is. It's one of those places you can get a pitcher of Bud, you know, for yeah. for X amount. Well, you know, actually, I remember them having a much more diverse lineup of beers for what you'll find in usual restaurants, though. Hmm. Yeah, our local um, BWWs <laughs> has um, probably thirty taps. Oh wow! Okay, so it's yeah, changed no, since no, I've been there. I've been there like twice. So that that sounds about right for what they usually have. Though, like they've got a fairly substantial tap system. About half of them are going to be big guys, mm-hmm. and then another third are probably going to be the the big guys craft selection. Stone and yeah. New Belgium, and yeah. Well, I was that. thinking even like Goose Island and oh yeah yeah, yeah those types of the, yeah. of beers. And then you've got maybe, I don't know, 20% of the whole thing as locals, um, real tiny folks. Um, we were getting stuff that's like, uh, you really don't see it many places at all um, in our Like for, for around here, you'll see like one or two handles that are local. So you'll see like a, a for Lexington, you'd see Cougar Bait and for uh, Country Boy Brewing and um, well, like West one, of the West, yeah. one of the West Six beers. Yeah, we'd actually get some ethereal up here and some uh, even mm. small, you know, small, small folks. Um, there's even a one that uh, really I'd never even heard of before I had them there. So it was kind of mm. well. Let's see. All right. They're also they also are going to have the the Jameson Caskmates Barrel Aged Beer Garden, which is twelve thousand six hundred square feet. Jeez. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and it's going to feature 17 beers from the popular series, uh, including collaborations with Cigar City, uh, DC Brow, Fatheads, Heavy Seas, Harpoon, and Revolution, among others. So, so can we just say you brought up Fatheads there, and we missed the tapping yesterday for a non-packaged uh, beer that they're doing. It's only at, like, pint nights and things. It's only going to be kegged mm-hmm. for their new uh, dank offering called Benjamin Danklin. <laughs> It's been really appropriate for our, our <laughs> yeah uh, for this week's main yeah. Main I, I just saw it yesterday. I was like, ah, it's all the way up at Jungle Gyms. I was like, ah, I missed it. Uh, now, some people are uh, uh, being a little bit critical of of it because they were, you know, they're the, they're trying to go for this craft craftier uh, branding, and yes, they drop Anheuser Busch, but they're still going to two very large companies yeah to some, do their somebody's got to foot the bill and like and, yeah. the, at the end of the day and to some degree you still need some kind of mass appeal like yeah most people are going there for the craft beer but at the same time especially when it comes to food or something else it's like just make it easier <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh yeah and and i understand the complaints it's just I'm not as bothered by by these necessarily because they're not in the beer world, I guess. Right. But. Yeah. The funny thing about um, this whole ordeal with their sponsorships for GABF is they actually pre-announced the location of the 2019 Homebrew Con mm-hmm. accidentally through a sponsorship <laughs> oh. of um, of the buffalo wild wings group oh see that stuff like that always happens like there's yeah. always going to be some weird leak and uh it's like buffalo when... wild wings put out a a competition and if you read the fine print it was it didn't actually come in and say okay you get a, a ticket to homebrew con in providence rhode island but it said you know you get a ticket to homebrew con and a hotel in providence rhode island for <laughs> these dates <laughs> So that I just told you, like, oh, it's going to be in Providence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we we knew what that was going to be about three or four weeks before they actually announced it. Mm. I just feel like that's like when, um, you know, like a spoiler for a movie happens by accident when the, like, the Lego set is released or like some something oh, like yes. that. And you're like, thanks, guys. <laughs> so uh, I do want to say there's, a, there's an interesting th- part of this where uh, they're talking uh, – the uh, open chain from the Brewers Association uh, was defending, you know, their choice for like Jameson and Buffalo Wild Wings. And they're saying that uh, for about Jameson that we know that Jameson drinkers are cross drinkers and that they're craft beer drinkers. And they're pointing to 2017 Nielsen analysts of Jameson shop uh, shoppers cross purchasing behavior and found that 95% of Jameson cask make shoppers also bought craft beer. Which I was like, okay, and said, which additionally is more than fifty percent, uh, more than half, fifty-one percent of Jameson's castmate shoppers were also craft IPA shoppers, while forty-one percent of customers brought uh, craft stouts, hmm. uh, which is kind of interesting. But at the same time, the castmate is usually like them reaching out to other. Yeah, it's for the beer. Yeah, so I was like, that's a weird. Like it's like, oh yeah, they're like, but they are working with more craft craft breweries so i mean that yeah i don't 
I may still have it back there on the shelf. So I don't know if I've hidden it back in the back if I do. Oh, but that cask mate stuff was horrible. <laughs> was not my cup There's of tea. There's a ton of it still around uh, for increasing discounts. There were different flavors. No, they, whatever, they're right? doing more yeah. and more every yeah. year now. So yeah, like, there's, there's different ones, and like there's different ones every year. So yeah, because they've got one that's uh, there was something to do with IPAs in it, and I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that that's doesn't... horrible. That, I was going to say, is that the one you ended up with? Because I think so, actually. <laughs> that would explain some of your just... Yeah, there's some of the... I mean, there's some that make a lot of sense with stouts. And you're like, okay, I see Yeah, this. the first one they did was with, like, a, a, I forget, but it was some sort of stout brewer, uh, stout brewer, and they were doing that. And I was like, yeah, that makes much more sense. Yeah. Hmm. All right, well... Uh, We'll move on. The barrels. Speaking, speaking of casks. Speaking, speaking of barrel-aged and laying all over the ground in Kentucky. <laughs> <clears throat> Perhaps it was only a matter of time. The remaining half of the Kentucky bourbon warehouse that collapsed two, collapsed two weeks ago came crashing down. No! The Jedi felt that one. Uh, the, the second half of the building... Uh, has finally collapsed, sending another 9,000 barrels of liquor crashing down along with it. Let that sink Hadn't in. they had time to empty that yet? <laughs> no, they couldn't get they near couldn't it. Get close. Yeah, I because you, they never knew it was going to come down. And so that they could have, people could have been in the building trying to remove barrels when this thing came down. So there was, there was no saving what was in there. So it's, uh, it's not a complete loss of 18,000 barrels, but that's what were stored there. Or they're saying up to 20,000. The Barton 1792 Distillery in Kentucky, which can store up to 20,000 barrels, was undergoing repairs at the time of the first incident back in June. Barrels from that collapse still haven't been cleaned up because of worker safety concerns. Yeah, no one was getting near that thing. Half the building had already come down. That pic- picture of that is like it's it's just it's sadness. more barrel than it's more barrel than building. Yeah, yeah, that's again that's it's there were more barrels than anything else. So that's like it was just like this uh, not flimsy because they aren't flimsy structures, but it's just a wood frame with a roof essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the uh, original spill hadn't even been cleaned up yet. Uh, it's not the call you ever want to get. This is from the. Uh, fire department, but now we've gotten it twice in just a couple of weeks. So, yeah, uh, each barrel contains about 53 gallons of liquor, so 9,000 barrels biting that dust. Well, that's a lot of bourbon, but we remember from the first story that it wasn't all bourbon. It was mixed spirits that Mm. were being aged in there, so probably uh, a bunch of rum. Did we we find that out for sure? Yeah, yeah, they said that 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 particular warehouse was doing a lot of everything. So it was bourbon, rum, tequila, or whatever. Like, just everything under the Sazerac branding. Hmm. It was just like a catch-all warehouse. So you may have had some top-shelf stuff in there and some bad rum. (laughs) Uh, No one was hurt in either incident, which is good. After the first collapse, though, spilled bourbon contaminated nearly two nearby creeks, killing almost a 1,000 fish. And they had failed to report this uh, quickly enough. And because this is one of those things, they're supposed to immediately let uh, EPA know and all these things, and they didn't. And now they're going to be facing uh, stiff fines. Sazerac uh, is being fined up to $25,000 per day. So, yeah, I don't know if that's on the cleanup 
or what, but they are uh, states coming down hard on them. Uh, this time, the runoff was contained by officials. I think they're saying it was within uh, five minutes. Fire, wow. Local fire officials and others were on the scene when the rest of the building came down. So they were on it instantly. Like they they got to be ready for this. They were stuff, waiting. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of the thing. They were on on call, sitting there waiting for this. Like Everyone's like, Argo! <laughs> and just darted over there. But yeah, so the entire warehouse is down. And it is probably not at a, at a loss now. I'm sure you could probably, within a week or two, we're going to see the stories of them coming in and rolling these barrels out. Because uh, some other versions of the story of the rest of it coming down were saying that this time there was hardly any spilled uh, liquor. That mm. a lot of the barrels remain intact. It, it had a cushion of other <laughs> barrels. <laughs> So I feel like uh, this will run. This wasn't a story this week, but Casey was uh, kind of shopping around, and we were talking about uh, some things hitting the market uh, from incident similar to this that happened at Heaven Hill, <laughs> and they're going to be selling some of the surviving barrels from the fire from oh. Heaven Hill. At, oh, pre-fire! Yeah, pre-fire. Some pre-fire. Uh, Twenty-seven-year-old. Yeah, Heaven Hill. Wow. Which means it had to make it through the fire, like it. Had, and the, but they're selling it as it's being sold and marketed as such. So I have a feeling smokier than other flavors. Any bourbons that come out of this are probably going to be labeled as such. Like they're probably <laughs> any bourbons are labeled as kind of like scotch. <laughs> kind of like scotch. There may be a bit of earth in there. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be a little earthy, a little peaty, a little smoky. But yeah, so that uh, that saga is uh, has come to an end. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that picture is just horrendous, actually. It hurts. It hurts. Speaking of things coming into an end, uh, the good times at airports probably aren't going to be as... <laughs> Indeed. Yes, as of the middle of June, um, airports are becoming more and more focused on alcohol. Especially those airlines that dock there. Uh, one of the few remaining pleasures of commercial air travel is the cold pint post-security or a Bloody Mary to squell in-flight nerves. But for flight attendants and the airlines they work for, the grand tradition of drinking while traveling causes a host of problems that some are intent on cracking down on. This is coming from Quartzy.QZ.com. Sure. No clue on that one. Yeah. Leading the charge is European low-cost carrier Ryanair. After an incident last weekend when a flight from Dublin to Ibiza uh, had to be diverted to Paris to deplane three disruptive and drunk passengers, the airline announced that it would be lobbying for new restrictions on drinking in airports, not even on the plane. When the proposed measures include a ban on serving alcohol before 10 a.m., which is a common practice in European airports, and two drink maximums in airport bars. Similar measures have been called for by fellow low-cost carrier Jet2, and this week Aer Lingus followed suit saying they would turn away visibly inebriated passengers at the gate. How am I supposed to get on a flight now? <laughs> I was going to say, Casey, it's how you get over your fear. How do that? Um, and those 6 a.m. flights are really racking up. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's completely unfair, uh, a spokesperson from Ryanair said. Uh, it's completely unfair that airports can profit from the unlimited sale of alcohol to passengers and leave the airlines to deal with the safety cons- consequences. They added that because their flights are so short, it is rarely the case that passengers become problematically drunk on the plane. Rather, intoxication usually begins 
before boarding. The airline had already previously banned the consumption of duty-free liquor on their flights, Hmm. a practice which is banned in many countries anyway, including the U.S. Hmm. But it's not just a European problem. Wall Street Journal contributor uh, wrote recently about a May incident when an American Airlines flight attendant was on the receiving end of a vicious tirade after refusing to serve a passenger another beer. In an opinion piece calling for the banning of alcohol in the cabin, he noted, when I've asked flights attendant, flight attendants, they've overwhelmingly supported a ban on in-flight alcohol. You don't have to look far for proof of why that may be. The FBI revealed this week that reports of sexual assault that take place during commercial flights have increased in alarming 66% between the years of 2014 and 2017. According to a CNN report, an FBI rep told reporters that a majority of offenses happen on red-eye overnights, flights of three hours or more when cabin lights are darkened, or instances where alcohol is being consumed. Hmm. Hmm. So, there's that. I do know that um, airport security checks and you are allowed to bring on the little airplane bottles of liquor um, as long as they're less than I think three ounces each and they fit inside that quart size baggie but for the first time since I've been flying over the past few years I heard in the pre-flight announcements actually one of the flight attendants making the note it is illegal for you to consume your own alcohol while on the flight so I thought that was a little weird that it came up a couple weeks ago on a flight I was on. Then I realized this stuff is going on in the background. Mm. Makes sense. Okay, yeah, that stinks. I see I see where they're coming from, like why this needs to happen. But come on. Like, sometimes when you're just laid over, like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My problem is by the time I land, I've always got a hangover. <laughs> Because, I mean, you you stop off or you you try to usually, for me at least, I try to drink before I even get to the plane. Like, before I even get to the airport, I try to get, like, three or four in because it's going to be outrageously expensive in the airport itself. Yeah. Then, once you're in the airport, I'm there about an hour early, so I try to get one to two while I'm in the airport. um, And then jump on the flight where I might get one in the air. Oddly enough... It's actually cheaper usually to buy it in the air than it is on the ground because there's seven bucks a bottle in the air or seven bucks a shot in the air versus probably 14 bucks in the airport itself. Jeez. So uh, it, I usually go with the, you know, two bourbons and a Coke. It's so. it, what, it, what it, it's another one of those things where like a, a few people ruin it for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. A few too many people. Why can't these drunks be like the rest of us and just take naps? Casey, how are you not peeing everywhere when you go on a flight from drinking? <laughs> you that know much? that's odd. I never used the bathroom. I would that. be I, just I've used it in the past two years. I've used the airplane bathroom once. Wow. I would just be standing in front of that airplane toilet. <laughs> like I would not be able to move after drinking that much. Well, it's all liquor. It's no oh, beer. True. Okay. Mm. I don't do beer in the air. It just it fills you up too quick, and I actually get a little nauseous whenever I drink a lot of beer in the air. So it's just yeah. liquor. It's the bubbles. It's the yeah. the, the yeah. atmosphere difference between outside and inside. And Delta runs uh, Sweetwater as their craft beer of choice. So mm. they're not bad. It's just you know. I'm fine with that. All right. Um, I got nothing on the segue, guys. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> Now we're talking about uh, environmentally friendly packaging in that it's basically biodegradable. 
So, um, I've got the, instead of the title, I've got the pictures up here because it looks kind of crazy. So, Polish design student Rosa Janus uh, has created SCOBY, an eco-friendly alternative to plastic packaging that is easily grown with the same methods used to make kombucha. Hmm. Created from fermented bacteria and yeast, the organic membrane can be used to store a variety of lightweight foods like seeds, nuts, or even salads. The zero-waste food packaging is completely biodegradable and can also be eaten after use. Um, <laughs> but at what cost? <laughs> well, it might be okay. I don't know. Uh, developed as part of her graduate project um, for industrial design, which is kind of awesome. Uh, she created it to help farmers grow their own zero waste packaging. Using bacteria and yeast as a base for kombucha, uh, Janus then uses the liquid to grow the biodegradable membrane in a shallow container. About two weeks, mm. uh, after about two weeks of, of adding sugars and other agricultural waste to ferment the material, a membrane forms on the surface and can be harvested. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> Going down the old kombucha fields. <laughs> yeah, harvest my harvest my skins. Um, so it, it says it's it's grown um, by a future farmer not only for the production of packaging but also because of the valuable byproduct, which is depending on the concentration, a natural fertilizer, or can be the probiotic drink of kombucha. Um, so. Uh, and how does that oh, feel, knowing I, I know, for kombucha right? drinkers? And like, oh, it's actually a powerful or potent fertilizer, or what you're drinking. If you're drinking kombucha, I feel <laughs> it's like It's either you know. a fertilizer, what you're drinking, or if you let it sit out long enough, you can take the skin off of it and Make use that yeah. to package your kombucha. Really, oh. it's, a, it's a win all around. Uh, <laughs> use every part of that buffalo. Yeah, uh -huh. that's what this is, really. Uh, nope. So it says the lightweight and translucent material is easily malleable and can be shaped to fit a variety of foods to prevent spoilage. Uh, thanks to the edible packaging's low pH, SCOBY has a long shelf life that can even be extended if it's used to store acidic food products like nuts. Uh, the material nuts are acidic. What's trying to kill me now? <laughs> I was going to say. I was wondering. Like, you're like oh, Bob's just doomed. Um, uh, the material can also uh, absorb the flavors of the food it stores. Uh, Janus plans to explore Scoby's commercial possibilities in the near future and recently submitted her design for the Golden Pin Concept Design Award for 2018. Um, yeah, looking at the pictures of all this, it looks kind of crazy, but like this is amazing that someone came up with this, I think. So, yeah, looking at it, um, it's amazing, but I'll, I'll look at that and I go, no. I, I would never eat that. No, I, I, I wouldn't uh, eat it, but, like, the the packaging part of it is, like, really awesome. I have a question. Yeah. Since it is edible, how long before we put delicious snack things inside, and then we call them SCOBY snacks? SCOBY snacks. SCOBY snacks are uh, quite easy to make, actually. <laughs> um, you take the SCOBY and you dry it out sort of on a food dehydrator. And you can then, like, sprinkle it with whatever seasoning you want. And it's high in vitamin B. Um, it's, it's basically, SCOBY stands for, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a, a complete, like, what, whatever, the, the, it's an acronym. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so I couldn't find that anywhere, like, what it means. Um, uh, oh, what's the first word? It's a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. Oh, okay. And the it's got a which is what causes um, 
basically alcohol to turn into acid. Hmm. And it's got yeast that turns sugar into alcohol. So the process is it turns the sugar in the kombucha into alcohol. And then the cetobacter turns that alcohol over into acid. And if you let it go long enough, you'll turn everything into vinegar. But if you stop it at like two weeks worth of fermentation, you'll have kombucha. Um, the scoby pieces that you pull off the top is basically a type of um, a type of protection that the bacteria and the yeast will put off to protect itself from oxygen. And so it grows on the top of the it grows to fit whatever shape of the container it's in. So people are using this right now, not only for biodegradable, now biodegradable packaging, but I just sent a link in the, the Hangout, Brittany, for also making clothing. Yeah, what? I was looking at that. Yeah. Okay, I so I sent a, a link there. It kind of looks like a, a thin leather of sorts or, or something along those lines. And Very, and kind of, very, very fashionable thin. to yeah. the uh, 1980s. Mm. Well, I mean, that's, it's still a thing, so... <laughs> Unfortunately, but uh, I just got some uh, scoby in uh, like three or four days ago, and I've got it starting to ferment some kombucha downstairs. But the problem is, it's hard to make beer and kombucha in the same place because you've got oh, the, the bacteria the side of it. Cultures, yeah, yeah, and so you don't want your beer turning to uh, basically acid. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, you know, wow. we could probably use some more kombucha. Maybe some seagulls. Okay, oh, we've been bearing the lead. This is probably the best story. This is the most important story we're going to cover here today. So, uh, I just wish there. I'm, were I got to read the headline from the article we're pulling this from because it's it's a masterpiece in and of itself. Drunk seagulls found vomiting and unable to walk after downing alcohol on the beach. Obviously, <laughs> that's. So I like that uh, the. The thought that we had, uh, I can't remember who it was, had it, that this whole thing is just substituting seagulls for college kids. <laughs> it's, it was a yeah. euphemism, yeah. Just, it's just code. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> so, uh, Ooh. Hmm? don't look up seagull on Urban Dictionary. No. Oh, don't look Let's, up anything I was trying to figure out there. if there was something. A critical manager or supervisor who makes brief appearances to put on a meaningless but unpleasant display for employees to try to show they're doing their job. Wow. Replace okay. that with the, the seagull in the story, and we'll see how this works. <laughs> uh, hmm. Anyway, uh, dozens of seagulls have been turning up drunk after reportedly drinking alcohol left behind on UK beaches. Let's see. They, basically, they've had... Uh, there's been a lot of calls in England uh, regarding paralytic birds uh and one area has had nearly up to 30 boozed up birds reeking of alcohol within two weeks <laughs> the theory is they could be drinking leftover alcohol left around the southwest beach uh, rendering them too drunk to walk or even fly well yeah if you can't walk <laughs> certainly you probably fly can't anywhere. fly i mean plus if you're busy puking you know they're 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 living out tony stark's nightmare <laughs> Uh, anyway, another uh, is that the greedy seagulls have scoffed grain byproducts uh, from a brewery in the area. Mm. Could go either way. Maybe maybe uh, column A, column B situation. 
But vet David Cooper said the mystery was baffling. Uh, he goes on to say it's very unusual. He had a couple isolated cases last year. But this year, there have been a spat of cases with the birds from East Devon, Dorset, and Somerset. Uh, some of the birds have been found unconscious or staggering, and all were reeking of alcohol. That's they looked right. terrible. Some uh, some have uh, been so poorly they've died. It's gotten less <laughs> funny now. I mean, the whole uh, thing is just sad, but... At the same Possib- it's a they've died possibly from being ex- oh sorry. sorry they've died possibly from being exposed to high temperatures after falling unconscious. Well, Others have recovered after a day or so of rest and rehydration. As one yep. does. As one does. <laughs> Man, can you imagine just hungover seagulls, like they're trying to talk to each other. God, not so loud. <laughs> just stop. Uh. They all seem to have ingested some sort of grain, possibly from a brewery that appears to have made them inebriated. Uh, it's odd because uh, because inquiries revealed the byproduct should have only had trace amounts of alcohol left after it's extract extracted. Yeah, uh, I think it's a it's an alcohol left on the beach situation. I don't. That seems the more likely. Like if it's just like fallen over and pulled up, they just they go to jerks littering and it's still got beer in it and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, solo cups left, half filled. For the birds to be how at. how much does it take to get a seagull drunk? Probably not a lot. <laughs> Wondering that as well. I mean, they have very small bodies, so they do. But what if like they're just out there just doing shots? <laughs> just <laughs> jeez. I I wish we had seagulls out there just like pouring whiskey shots. Like I'm picturing now seagull bars. <laughs> like, they're just walking up and it's like. Rawr, rawr. Is there a, a seagull Tom Cruise that's pouring for the other ones? Is that that's we... a, they've they've got it in. They've got it in their feet, and they're still flapping, and like they're shaking the the, the tin, and then they're just pouring it out. Ugh. Wow. Gold uh, tails. I, I had to do a search because you know, why not? But I feel like with this, I'm going to be put on some sort of watch list when I type in <laughs> seagull blood volume. Oh yeah. <laughs> How much blood does a seagull have? That way we can figure out the the uh, blood concentration. Uh, just I I want a picture of vets just going around giving like breathalyzer tests to seagulls. Yeah, uh, this it's actually really sad they're dying, but it, no, it's sad, sad they're dying. Also, it's but it's silly. also really funny. But aren't seagulls like the the rats of the rats of, of the sky? Yeah, they're a big nuisance. Those and pigeons. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be sad either way. But I'm sure they have some kind of purpose as far as the ecosystem goes. <laughs> <laughs> what a seagull's purpose. That's my next children's book. <laughs> uh, fair. All right. Well, uh, our last story is in the UK oh. and this story is in yeah. the UK. We can keep it all on that side of the pond. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have a bit of a scandal going down in Birmingham. Beer glasses were sized uh were seized from a restaurant chain after they were found to be too small to contain a pint. Mm. An investigation, Cheating. yeah, an investigation launched by Birmingham Trading Standards, uh, following a significant complaint, found the glasses were 8.1 milliliters too shallow. Uh, 41 glasses were removed from two bars in the city, and a nationwide recall of the brand of glasses followed. Council would not identify the chain or the supplier because the case did not result in prosecution. A Birmingham City Council spokesman said it was referred to the relevant body to re- uh, revert 
referred to the relevant body to action and audit was carried out. Uh, the supplier and retailer took corrective action to remove all glassware from use and supply with immediate effect. The case which occurred in November was revealed in the Council's Regulation and Enforcement Annual Report for 27-2018. So this happened back in November, but the report that had to cover it just now came out. Hmm. Uh, said this was a significant complaint made about short measure beer at a large restaurant chain. Investigations found that a particular brand of glass uh, had been made too small to contain a full pint. So I guess you could look at it as it's a problem when it's a large national chain doing this. Right. Because yeah. if it's just your local pub doing it, then it's not, you know, terrible. But when it's when they're saving money over, you know, a large scale like that, it's like, well, if every quote-unquote pint that was ordered is 8.1 milliliters, that's, you know, 8.1 milliliters more beer they save, and then those all add up still how, in the kegs. How... I'm just wondering how much less beer is that for them to, like, how noticeable is that in a beer glass? Apparently pretty noticeable from the way the <laughs> the people started to uh, complain. I mean, it's it's about a four a quarter of an ounce, isn't it? I, I, I can't yeah. do liter conversions. I, yeah, I have no idea. I probably so you got to stay within metric or stay within, uh, stay within English standard. I, otherwise, I can't. I can't go between. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's the equivalent of probably in a beer glass, probably somewhere around sixteenth of an inch. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm, off the height, something like that. It's not much. Yeah, no, the fact but that anyone noticed that, I'm just like, good job. Eight point one milliliters. Yeah, that's. I mean, my that's not a whole lot. Yeah, I may be wrong, but that's not a lot. Hmm. Well, what's that spread over? You know how many how many pints you pulling out of a keg? Yeah, I don't. I mean, even if you do an entire keg, you're you losing more on foam, a lot yeah. more oh, on foam than yeah. what you're losing on that. That's a good point. Yeah, point. There. I think it's it's one of these things like they weren't being malicious about it, no. but it it's, was just if they were being that malicious that if they were being malicious, they would have had prosecution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That batch of glasses was was just bad, you know. Yeah, like in the U.S., we don't even sell glassware with that big, that much of a distinction. No, <laughs> yeah, it, that's the like, thing. That was my thought. You got a sixteen ounce or a twelve ouncer. I mean, look, not, this is why this 14, happened in the U.K. It. They take their pints seriously in the they U.K. They do. <laughs> they do. It is a true measurement. Yes. So I, I'm. If anybody's going to notice it, I'm like, okay, sure. This couldn't have, this wouldn't have happened anywhere else, you know. Some bloke who noticed his uh, Guinness wasn't quite mm. as full as it should have been. Indeed. Mm. All right. Well, so, does, uh -huh. just to follow up on the seagull story. Oh yeah. Um, I did some bath, back of the envelope math, literally on the back of an envelope, sure. and if a seagull drank an entire shot of liquor. It should have a blood alcohol content of twenty five percent. Oh my god! So, <laughs> no wonder. Um, and that's not point two five percent. That is twenty five percent. So take that to beer, and one shot worth an ounce and a half of beer would probably bring that seagull above the legal limit to drive, above the legal limit to fly. 
Yeah, how about that one? I don't know. I think it's even lower. Politics. So yeah, no, it doesn't take a lot. <laughs> wow, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah the the amount of blood in a seagull's body, from what I understood, is probably somewhere around one point five ounces. So literally, oh one goodness. shot would be the same amount of blood in that seagull's body. <laughs> Jeez. Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> wow. So that's your that's your uh, bit of they did the math. <laughs> that's the whole your, new spin on that story. The, your new uh, bit you can wow people with at parties. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> did you know that if you seagull did a shot of liquor, it'd be at a twenty five percent blood alcohol. <laughs> One quarter level. of its blood would be alcohol. <laughs> it would uh, also be dead. Yeah, but, uh, it, it, the blood thing wouldn't really matter anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a perfect way to end the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'd like to remind everyone that this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. We'll see you again next Saturday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern here on Twitch. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>